right. Y'all lock and loaded. Y'all ready? For what the good Lord will do today. I had an interesting thought last night, and I guess it's something that we all think about, and we probably think about it uh, all through our Christian existence, at least this side of eternity. But you know, I guess as you get older, and I still consider myself somewhat of a young man. Of course, ask me that in 20, 30 years from now, and I'll tell you the same thing. It doesn't matter. Uh, But one day, every one of us will step into eternity. And this is not a... uh, intended to be a shock factor or a scare factor or anything like that. It's intended to be just, that's life. That's the way it's going to be. One day, every single one of us, without exception, no one gets away free, clear, or anything. One day, we will step from this existence into eternity. For the believer, and today I'm not as much dealing with the unbeliever, I'm just wanting to talk to you as people who love and to know God. You've read about the streets that are like gold. You hear about that crystal sea that exists there. Do you realize that one day you will put your feet there? Now we think about that in the future, but I want you to understand, let's say right now tonight, let's say as you lie upon your bed, The heavens open and the Lord speaks to you and he says, tonight is your night. And he says, it's time to go. Now immediately probably what's going to fill your mind is you're going to be thinking about your wife or your husband. You're going to be thinking about your children. What if you have babies sitting there at the house? You're going to be thinking about all these things in this life except for one thing until you turn around and look back at him. And whenever you see Jesus, he's going to say, don't worry about it. I've got it. I've got it. It's time to go. And then you're ushered into the heavens. And you will set your feet and you will feel beneath your feet those streets that are like gold. You will go and be a part of that sea. You will be in a land that no longer has a sun like you and I think of. For God will be its light. Angels will be commonplace to you. You will see them everywhere. You will behold the armies of heaven, the ministering spirits, all of them. They will be right there with you. And I can tell you for me, and like most people, they say, woo heaven, woo heaven. I understand that. But people, there's a little bit of fear and trembling within me. And I'm not saying that just because that's what a pastor should say. I want you to understand this. In many ways, let me back up and say it this way. I know I do not deserve the goodness of God. And I know none of us deserve the goodness of God. Jesus Christ died for you and me. But people even then, even having been bought by Jesus Christ, for me it is a fearful thing, an awesome thing in the true sense of that word, to stand before the living God. 
The one from eternity to eternity holds all things. Everything exists because of him and in him and at his will alone. To stand before him, to give an account of every word that I've spoken upon this earth, not because God wishes to condemn me because in Jesus Christ I am saved, but to really stand before my God and to realize what I have and have not done in this life. People, that shakes me. It shakes me to stand in heaven. It shakes me because I realize that even though Christ has made me worthy of that home, sometimes you feel like maybe you're an outsider because I don't deserve the love and the grace that he has given me. Now you say, well, pastor, why are you sharing this with people? I say this because it is so important in our lives and in our Christian walk that we maintain a very proper perspective of the holy, a proper perspective of who God is. Sometimes in our minds, and I'm not saying that God is not incredibly loving. There are times, and you can see it in Christ, where he just reaches down and embraces people. Absolutely. There were times that Jesus himself wept. Okay? God loves us. He is going to wipe every single tear from our eyes. But somehow, I, I don't understand it, but there's this idea that has crept into the church that we're just going to walk into heaven and give the Lord a high five. That we're just going to, whoo, how about it, man? Have you ever seen a description of heaven from Scripture? Do you understand what is happening around the throne of God? To see these seraphim, the burning ones, to see these creatures above the throne of God with three sets of wings, with two, they will not even look upon God, with two, they cover their bodies, and with two, they fly, and they have eyes all over them too, which is interesting. And they are constantly crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is filled with his glory. And it talks about the smoke, the Shekinah glory passing away. But that's not necessarily, that may be the first thing that you hear, but that's not necessarily the first thing you see when you enter the throne of God, nor do we even know. But I will tell you this, what is revealed. How many of you have ever heard of cherubim? Cherubim in the Garden of Eden. Whenever Adam and Eve were thrust out, it says a cherubim was put there and a flaming sword that points in all directions. Cherubim are not these cute little fat baby looking things with these little bows that go around barely dressed, by the way, and they're up there just, and everybody's happy, okay? That's not a cherubim. When you walk in to the throne room of God, those that are bearing the throne of God are called cherubim. They are mighty and frightening in their appearance. They have four faces, each one. One, has, one face is a face of a man, one of an ox, one of an eagle, okay? And one of, what is it? A lion. You thought I forgot, didn't you? I did for a brief, brief second. But anyway, all these faces, they have wings too to be able to fly. They have legs like an ox. And when they move, they don't turn because each direction, there is a face facing that way. They just move. And you say, well, that's a pretty scary looking creature symbolic, if you will, of all of creation. 
But these are the creatures you meet. These four living creatures that are even spoken of in Revelation. You say, what are you getting at? I'm saying that the highest of all heavenly beings that exist in heaven are constantly crying out how God is awesome beyond any conceivable thing you can imagine. He is holy. He is righteous. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is kind to those who ask him for mercy. But he will by no means, the Bible says, acquit the guilty, the those that will not repent, those that will not receive. He says, I will not acquit you. But he is good. And he is love. And he is kind. John saw Jesus, he fell to the ground as he were dead. Jesus walks up and says, don't be afraid, John. I am the first and the last. Today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the New Testament. The title of the message today is Hear and Listen to the Word of the Lord. Hear and Listen to the Word of the Lord. And it sounds, you know, very sermonic whenever you hear the title, but I want you to understand this. And this isn't just simply a play on words or definition, but everybody here should understand that there's a difference between hearing and listening. Okay? There are many times... (laughs) Here's where you get in trouble. Okay, there are many times that I can hear that my wife is telling me something, but I never listen to her. I didn't say I never listened to her. I said I never listened as in the past tense because I would like to eat lunch today and never be happy with me. (laughs) There are people all the time we hear things, you know, that are out there. We can even be Uh, sitting down and there's music going and at some point we might say yeah that's music in the distance but we never pick up on what's really happening we never truly listen we're not getting something from it's not merely just hearing information but we're listening to it and are able to receive something from it whenever we speak in the scripture when god tells us to hear or to listen that word is not just simply saying okay I want information to go in. What God is also asking, and this very much plays out in the original languages, okay? So what I'm telling you is not just, yeah, this would maybe apply. No, this is exactly what it is talking about. The idea is whenever you look at your children and you say, listen, what are you telling them? Just simply hear my words? Or simply just listen to what I'm telling you to do and then just go and do your own thing. When you tell a child, listen, I need you at this particular time to go and take the trash out. It's overflowing. What is the expectation? That he simply heard what you said? Or that he's actually going to take the trash and do it? All right. Y'all just have obedient children? Because if your children just do what you want them to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, write a book. You'll make millions, okay? 
you know, I mean, you know the feeling. I have to do this with, is my, is my son in here? Where's my son? Where you hey, Nicholas, I love you. The names will be changed to protect the guilty. Because there have been many times, and I'm not just trying to belabor this, but there's the truth. I'll look at him and I'll say, son, I need you to go do such and such. You know, it's, yeah, it's an urgency in my voice. And then I walk into the other room and I'm doing certain other things. I'm like, what is he doing? So I'll come over there and open the door. And then what's my question? What are you doing? Okay, I'm, I'm doing my stuff. You know, I'm playing, doing whatever I want to do. Didn't I ask you to do something? Oh. You want me to do that now? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I kind of thought the, the inflection in my voice was supposed to get that point across, right? And he does good, and he does better. I'm picking on him because he's my son. If I pick on anybody else, I get in trouble. But I do have very good children. But my son will tell you that that has happened more than one time. So what I do now when I open his door, I say, son, can you go take the trash and do this, that, and the other? And I'll close the door, and I'll go one, two, three, and I open it, and I say, you ain't back yet? So that's how I get, that's how I get him motivated. But here's the deal, okay? When God speaks to us, and he says, hear me, he expects an action. Not simply to know what he said, but, either, but to act upon it. So if God says not to do something, he expects you not to engage in activity. Okay? Or if he tells you to do something, you need to be about that. So when God says, listen to me and hear me, he expects there to be action. Here's something else for you. The term love, because we're going to be talking about it. Uh, in just a moment as well. But think about this. In this culture, now today when we talk about love, and I know you've probably heard many a sermons like this, but just work with me for a minute. When we talk about love, we're talking about all these warm, funny feelings, okay, that we get within ourselves. Or you can say, I love ice cream, which is an understatement for me. I do love ice cream. I'm not supposed to have it, so i got to go find some freaky brand somewhere that has no flavor. It's like cardboard, but it's cold and it's good, okay? Not really. So, but I do. I love ice cream. But that's not what the Bible says whenever it says you are you're supposed to love the Lord your God. It's not necessarily translated over from their culture into ours so that we can understand. We assume that we know this. Whenever you speak to your children, let's use that analogy again, or you, they say to you, I love you. What I'm expecting them, whenever I say, son, I need you to do A, B, C, and D, how do they show me that they love me? By acting upon. Love is an action, biblically. It is not just simply feeling fond for, but it is an action word in the sense that it is intended for something to be done. When you say that you love God, you're saying, I will do what you have told me to do. Would you like an example? Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's the proof. Do what I tell you to do. Now let's go back before we, we dive into the scriptures and we'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in just a minute. But let's go back to the beginning. In the garden, 
Whenever God comes to Adam and Eve, and I say this, and I go back this early, because it's something that you will see repeated throughout the Scripture. It is something that is absolutely heart-wrenching to God. God looks at His creation that has never sinned, never rebelled, never done anything. But God has asked His creation, as you can see time again, He has asked us to love Him. In order to love God, it means that you must listen to him and you must obey him. So God puts a tree in the garden and he says to him, just follow me, everything, absolutely everything. Look at this garden. Look at the beauty of it. Look at the trees. Look how they yield willingly their produce to you. He said, all of this, every bit of it I give to you and it's yours to keep and to take care of. This is my gift to you. This paradise. He said, but there's one thing that I ask you to leave to me. See that tree over there? Leave it alone. For in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody came to me and said, you know, wow, take a look, you know, okay, let's pick some little known island in the Caribbean, and somebody told me, hey, all the stuff that you need for living is right here on the island. I'm just asking you not to go and to touch that tree on the end of the island. I've got news for you. I'd build a fortress around that tree. Nobody would touch that tree. Because, I mean, you think about it, everything is given to you. It's a blessing. But think about this. You ever wonder about the name of the tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The reason why it's called that is because the second they go and they partake of it, what do they know? One, they just disobeyed God. So now they know evil. They beforehand knew God's goodness. But now the two are intermingled. They not only know good and evil, they now know what it means to disobey God. They now know for the first time what it's going to be like to approach God having sinned against Him. But why, 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 why? Think about it. After all the blessing, the creation, God being with you, walking with you in the cool of the day, speaking to you, blessing you, uh, unimaginable blessing. I can't speak English. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, anyway, moving on. But anyway, unimaginable blessing. And he just simply says, I reserve one thing for myself. Then you say, well, the devil got into it. Yeah, well, you'll know something. That's a fact of life. The devil tries to get into everything. Today, he's still doing the same thing. And he twists words and he tries to entice people. And the devil, one of his most primary weapons that he uses is half-truths. He will put just enough truth in what he's saying to say, you know, well, that kind of makes sense to draw people away. But think about it. Whenever he came to Adam and Eve and he looks at her and he says, you know, God told you, you know, you can eat of these trees, right? And of course she goes through the dialogue and she explains to Satan, quote unquote, we can eat anything except for that tree. God says, don't touch it. Don't get near it. The second you do it, you're going to die. Well, you're not going to die. The only reason God's keeping this away from you is because he knows that in the day that you eat of it, you'll be like him. He's trying to withhold something from you. Why? 
as human beings. And I know I'm a fallen one. I know that I have made mistakes before. But now, having some years of my life, having some time having walked with God, I look at it sometimes and, and it absolutely boggles my mind. Now, trust me, I'm going to give you the other side of this token in just a minute. But talking about this tree, why? Why must we always go beyond God? God says he will provide. And people say, well, it comes back to human beings. Do not want to submit to anyone. People say all the time, human beings do not want to submit. We want to be our own masters. I don't understand it. I don't know what is inside of us that makes us want to go that way. Because, I mean, before Satan uh, tempted us in the garden, I mean, we didn't have that inner propensity to sin. So I don't understand it all. But I can tell you what the end and outcome of it all is. We always rebel. And why is that knowing that death would be the outcome? So God, in essence, tells Adam and Eve, listen to me. This is what I want from you. Please hear my words. Trust me. Listen to me. Just do what I tell you to do. How hard is it not to touch that tree? But we touch it. And then we come to Abraham. Or let's go to Noah. We can go to Noah for that matter. God says, I'm going to have to create a new people out of you, Noah. I'm going to start with you because the mind, the, the actions, the heart of all mankind is a rebellion against God. So much so that God says, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. And we start all over. And guess where we go? Right down the tubes. So God finds a man. You know, you think about Abraham. You got Abraham and he comes to Abram or Abraham and he says, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. Abraham, can you listen to me? Just listen to me. Listen to what I say. Do what I tell you to do. And Abraham, I will make the greatest nation that has ever been out of you. As the stars in the sky, as the sands in the sea. He says, God... Anyway, God speaking to him, tells him, so shall your descendants be. He said, if you'll listen to me and be obedient. And he calls him to do that. And Abraham does walk with God and he does believe God. But even he gets sidetracked. Even he tries to solve issues in a different way other than what God has said. And as you go on down the line, Abraham, Isaac, you've got Jacob, We've got people that are deceiving their brothers. We go on down through the line. But what I'm saying is with each person, even with the kings, even with David, even with Solomon, God would say over and over again, will you listen to me? Just listen. It's not so hard. You know, you think about it. Just listen to me. But why is it as human beings we find it so hard to listen God makes his covenant. You know, I was reading um, yesterday and also this morning when God made his covenant, uh, even the second covenant, whenever he, uh, it's actually a reaffirmation of the original covenant, but Deuteronomy is the second law, giving more detail. But this is what's interesting in there is God tells him, he says, if you Israelites will listen to me, I will make a great, great nation of you. I'll make you kings and priests unto your God. He said, above all people, you will be the desired nation. You will prosper more than anybody else. You ready for this? 
He said there'll be no miscarriage. No woman will miscarry in this land. You're not going to be sick. Your clothes, as you were in the wilderness, they'll not wear out. I will make sure I take care of anything if you'll listen to me and do what I tell you to do. Now, people say, and they wrongly translate that to be, well, God's saying today that if we obey, that there won't be any sickness or this, that, and the other. That was a covenant for Israel, okay? But that's not to say that there's not immense blessing for any nation, any culture that is willing to listen, to hear and listen to what God says. God has promised blessing upon blessing for all of those that will hear and listen to this very day. But we always move away. So grab your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 6. What has happened is God has once again reaffirmed the Ten Commandments. Moses is standing there before them. He has told them just like what happened, you know, at Mount uh, Horeb. Whenever they were there for a year, God was on that mountain. He descended in that dark cloud, lightning thundering, ground shaking, the people begging Moses to tell God not to speak lest they die. But they heard from the lips of God himself as he thundered from heaven, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have unto you or take unto you no graven images of things in heaven, of things on the earth, things that creep and crawl upon the earth. Nothing like that. Very first of the commandments, he gives them those. And if you remember when God originally gave that, those commandments to the Israelites, uh, after they had come across the sea, they were down there on the land, and guess what they did? They had made a golden calf. In case you don't remember, that didn't fare very well. Already breaking the commandment of God. But after God has done this, I want you to see something that God tells his people in reaffirming his covenant with them. God bless the reading of his word, starting in verse 1. It says, now this is the commandment. He had just been sharing the Ten Commandments. And these are the statutes and judgments with the Lord, which the Lord your God had commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord. And by the way, I, I want to talk about that word fear for just a minute. A lot of people, when they say fear, they say reverence, okay? And yes, that word does entail reverence. It absolutely does. But it also entails a godly fear. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Okay, let me talk about my father for just a minute. When I disobeyed my father, I did not expect later on in the day to walk in and say, Father, I revere you and uh, everything should be all right. No, I had a fear that Dad was going to take off that blessed leather belt, which you still have today, which will be burned upon your perishing, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> and all God's people said amen. No, okay, anyway, he still has it. I'm going to bring it one day just as an illustration. Today you can test that my DNA is still all over it. But anyway... What I'm saying is when I came before my father, it wasn't just, yes, I respected my father. Yes, I had done wrong. But there's a certain element of, oops, you know, you're going to get lit up probably. Well, let me tell you this. That carries over too, folks. 
It isn't like I was saying at the beginning. When you come into the presence of God, it isn't just like God's going to say they are there. You know, whenever we have rebelled and done things we're not supposed to do, God is going to deal with those things. Now, he's going to love you because he is your father, but my father loved me too, but that didn't stop him from disciplining me. There is an element that we should keep, like Peter said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So, but anyway, God is saying that you may fear me, love me, respect me, and honor me, and recognize that I am God. So, and fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, you and your son and your grandson, he's talking about for generations, perpetual generations, all the days of your life that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that it may, excuse me, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God, the God of your fathers has promised to, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now hear this. After all that said and done, he's saying, be careful to listen. Verse 4, he says, hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house or when you walk by the way or when you lie down or when you rise up. You will speak of them always is what he's saying there. But, but, but catch this. So he's telling him of this covenant that he has made. And he says, I'm reaffirming this covenant to you. And he goes through all the Ten Commandments to them. And he tells them, you must be careful to listen to these. That it might be well with you. That you may bless, be blessed and prosper. And he's saying, listen, listen, listen. And then whenever he gets down here to verse 4, hear. That is the Shema that every Jew prayed. And probably to this day still prays daily. The Shema. Hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord God is one, and you must love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with every ounce of your being. You must love the Lord. People, that is not just for Israel. Listen to me very carefully now as we change gears. That is for today. As God throughout all of Scripture has told people what I want you to do, What I want you to do is listen to me, to hear my voice. Why do I give you these commandments? I give them to you to bless you, to watch over you, to protect you. I want you to be a chosen people above all others. You are my precious possession. You are my people. And in Christ Jesus, that chosen people is the church. People say, well, no, the chosen people of God are Israel. People, Israel, Jesus, Paul, Peter, were all Jews. And guess what they became? Christians. We are the body of Christ. Has God cast off his people? No, not by any means. The original covenant? No. But he has provided a better way. And that way is Jesus. 
So whenever we're talking about this and you, and you say, wait a minute, you know, God wants me to listen to him. Yes. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament, there's 300 and something uh, uh, commandments on ceremonial law that apply to Jews in specific situations. But what is powerful and beautiful to me is you've heard it so many times. We've preached it. Pastor after pastor has preached this. When they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is it that God wants? God, if we are to live before God, if we are going to do that which pleases Him, please tell us, Jesus, what does God want more than anything else? And Jesus said the same thing He has wanted from the beginning, that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with every ounce of your being. You must love him. But what did I tell you love meant? It isn't just goosebumps. Listen and obey. That's what he says. Listen to me and obey me and you will be a sign. You will be a spectacle to the world. All nations will look at you even to this very day and know that you are a different people and see the heart. And as a matter of fact, the will of God in you. But then Jesus did something else, didn't he? Love God. Listen to him. Choose him. Seek him first. And he said, while you're at it, before you think that you've got it figured out, he said, you've got to love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. Because these people are God's children. You are God's children. They are God's children. Well, Lord, you mean you want us to love those old, stinky, smelly Samaritans? Yes, I came to save Samaritans. Well, what about those creepy people that hang around with signs and stuff like that? I'm supposed to love them? Yes. Yes, you are. Well, what about those uh, people that have alternate lifestyles? Those people that don't, you, you know, love opposites. You mean we got to love them too? Yes, you do. We must. How will they see Jesus if we don't show them to them? Here's another one for you. What about those people who have done heinous, horrible things? What about those people who have had abortions? Are we supposed to love those folks? Yes. Yes, we are. Well, you don't understand. They took the life of their... Yes, and we murder our brother in our heart every day. He expects us to. If we are not the light... If we are not hearing what he commands to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, what good are we? Jesus, when he went about preaching, and I even shared this last Sunday, but you think about it, he goes around preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God. He even looked like we talked about Matthew, a tax collector, one of the most despised people that ever was on the planet. Okay? And he says, come follow me. Why? Because you want to know something you don't have to be that any longer, Matthew, or Eli, Levi, excuse me, but you don't have to be that person anymore. Jesus looked for people. And the Pharisees, they looked at him and said, well, you know, Jesus, if you were any kind of holy man, if you were any kind of prophet, if you were anybody that knew and walked with God, you would know God doesn't love them. I'm sorry. 
Last time I checked, Jesus Christ was God wrapped up in the flesh. And it looks like to me he loves them very, very much. But here is where we make a mistake. Here's where I make a mistake. God loves them. Loves them so much he sent his son to die for them. But that doesn't mean he loves what what they do. That doesn't mean that God says, you know, come on in here and continue to live in rebellion. I've got news for you. You don't even have to pick pet sins. Let's go ahead and just ride into the house. We could talk about gossip, you know, the the sin that everybody just kind of grades. Oh, everybody knows, you know, there's the outright gossip where somebody comes up and goes, oh, do you know what that person did? Did you see what she was wearing today? You know that they were in the vestibule together for a while. Okay, gossip straight out. Or how about this? You know that that person did that and uh, well, we probably just need to pray for them, right? They sit there and describe, oh, they were out late last night. You know that they were You know that they were doing, oh, they're so bad. But we should pray for them. It's it's gossip any way you look at it. By the way, just because it's the truth doesn't mean it's not gossip. Do not tear down your brother and sister behind their backs. Go to them. Lift them up out of the clay. Draw them up. Be the lifeline. But I said all this because, you know, it doesn't have to be the deep, dark, you know, crazy sins that are out there. It can be overeating. I've been trying to lose some weight. I've been trying to do better on that one. But we're all guilty. And so we don't need to be pointing fingers and talking about who God loves. He loves us all. But he refuses to leave us that way. And we need to stop and we need to change. Calling people to love the Lord and to bring fruits worthy of repentance, that is proof of the gospel and the truth of the gospel. Okay, very quickly, I want to read just a couple of things and then we'll, we'll move on. I know I'm, I'm over, but just work with me. Deuteronomy chapter 8, thank you. Deuteronomy chapter 8. So God begins to reiterate this, but... Why does God do the things he he does in this respect? In our lives, God tells us to obey him. But then in our lives, when things don't necessarily go the way we think they ought to be going, we want to look up at God and we want to say, God, why? Why are you allowing this to happen? You know, God, I've been good. I've been faithful. Sometimes not so faithful. But, you know, Lord, why is this trouble? Why is this coming my way? You ever heard people say, God has a plan? People call it a cop-out. It's not. It's a truth. God always has a plan and a purpose. And the Bible also says that God causes all things to work to the good. That means tragedy will even work to the good. But I want you to hear something real quick, okay? So we've moved forward a little bit, and we're going to talk about these commandments some more, but God bless the reading of his word. It says, every commandment, verse 1, 8 Verse 1, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you. God was the one who led you. 
all the way these 40 years in the wilderness, but why did he do it? That's right. He took them out of Egypt. You remember the plagues that were poured out upon Egypt. You've seen all of these things, even to the death of the firstborn, the Passover at the end. He said with a mighty hand, he leads them out of Egypt. Then they go to the sea, the Red Sea. They're going to pass over it. The, the Pharaoh's heart is hardened and the king of Egypt comes over there and he's about to overtake them. The cloud that was leading them actually goes behind them. It was fire and smoke and actually protects them as they're standing at the sea. Moses lifts up that staff, lifts up his hand. The seeds part right in front of him. They walk over on dry ground, by the way, all the way to the other side. The Egyptians come in, lifts it up, And guess what? The seas close in, kill the Egyptians. As God says, you see these Egyptians, you'll never see them again. Just be still and see the glory of your God. Didn't even have to raise a sword. Well, then they get in the wilderness. And do you know what they do? First thing they do when they get in the wilderness, they start complaining. Moses, we're hungry. Moses, we're thirsty. Moses, my nose itches. I was going to choose another part, but I figured it was inappropriate. (laughs) So that you might also know that I'm not perfect. But anyway, so they get over there and they've seen all these things. They complain against God. God, why aren't you doing it? So you know what God does? He decides to see what they are. God took his people out of slavery, out of bondage, out of abuse, and he has done all of these things for them. But rather than being grateful and saying, God remembered us, they complain. Incessantly they complain to the point that they were about to kill Moses. There was another time that even Aaron and Miriam, they turned on Moses. Of course, Miriam got lepers for that for about seven days. But all this hogwash comes into it so anyway but he said he led them through these 40 years in the wilderness why to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not god allowed these things into their hearts that they that he might see what was in them so let's get this right you go through hard times in life many times god is trying to find out what's in here do you cleave to me How many times have I in my life said, God, I will hold on to you. I will be faithful to you. I I, I mean, I'm in it to win it, Lord. Only to find out whenever things began to fall apart, how quickly I got upset with God. Well, you know, God, you didn't do A, B, C, and D. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. It does. But the people would complain and murmur. So God puts them in situations where they're hungry or thirsty to test them to see what was in them. And many times they failed miserably. But God gave them manna. And it goes on to say here, whether you would keep his commandments or not, verse 3, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. Yes, you read that right. Allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know The man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We don't live. Listen, if my life were to end tomorrow, my life does not consist in simply the things I eat or drink. Life is more than that. Jesus even said life is more than clothing. Life is found in my Lord and in my God. 
My worth is found in him. Life as we would hope to understand it is found in him. And it is found in no other. You will never, ever truly know life until you know God. So anyway, but he said he brought us to the place that we would know that it's not about food. It's about every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let me move quickly. Verse 10, it says, when you have eaten and you are full. How about this? Not doing without, but here's another curse of mankind. What if you get what you want? Let's listen to this. When you have eaten and you are full, then you should bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and you dwell in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, talking about pride there, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through this great and terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents and scorpions and you were thirsty and there was no water, who brought you water out of a rock and fed you in the wilderness with the manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. Did you catch that? God tests them in their lack. And he shows them that he's faithful and he shows them that he's there and they still complained against him. And then God in times, whenever they would repent and turn to him, he would bless them. And one of the warnings that God gives them, he says, you know, if I bless you, if you do without your anger, if I bless you with so much, you forget me. You forget me. When your land is multiplied, when you have more than you could possibly ever use, he said there is a tendency to forget God. Which comes back to the central and the heart understanding of this message. To hear God. To listen to what he says. If we as a people would just simply grab a hold of the word of God to hear, to love, to love him with all of our hearts and to love our fellow man, to think of others above ourselves, to always say, Father, how can I be love and light in this world? And some people might say, well, Shane, 24 hours a day, you're asking me to walk around as if I were a, a monk or something like that or a nun. No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying If you truly find the Word of God, if you truly understand what God is saying, you will wake up with a joy in your heart to be able to love somebody, to help somebody, because you will have, for the first time, realized what God has done for you. And when you realize that I, that I, like I said at the beginning, I don't deserve heaven. You say, well, pastor, you going out and living like a devil? No. No, actually, I'm not. But I can tell you walking with God has taught me a whole lot about what I really am. And in my heart of hearts, there's still much darkness. And I don't deserve God's love or grace. Will I take it? Ooh, you better believe it. <laughs> I want it. 
But at the same time, I recognize that God's holy. So today, as we're going to close this message, what am I asking from you? When you sit down at your prayer time, you say, well, I don't have a prayer time. Now you do. Um, when you sit down at your prayer time, and you may look at me like I'm strange because some of you may have long prayer times. You might have two, three-hour prayer times. People are like, woo. You might have 15, 20 minutes in the morning. I got something for you. Five minutes. If you're doing more than that, great. Five minutes. Does God uh, deserve more than that? Oh, yeah. Of course he does. Five minutes a day. Stop talking at God and start talking to God. Sometimes we believe that prayer is nothing more than, Father, I need A, B, C, and D, and Father, please bless A, B, C, and D. When I was actually talking to somebody this week, but it's a true story. When was the last time you asked God, how are you doing? You say, well, that's a silly question. A silly question if it's not your friend or if he's not your friend. How are you doing? When was the last time you looked up at the sky and you said, Lord, that is one beautiful sky. You did an awesome job on it. When was the last time that you just said, Father, I just want to be close to you for a few minutes. Yes, I've got a lot of needs. I've got things that I want to be praying for. But God, I just want to get close to you for a minute. And, and I may not know exactly what to say, but I just want to say to you, Father, I love you and I need you and I ask you to help me. People, I love you, want you, need you. Help me. It's a good prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. Take two and a half minutes and talk with God. And after that, take two and a half minutes, and then you can say, Father, please help these people. Listen to me. Listen to me. Father, you love people more than I ever could. Father, before I begin to pray, you know everything that these people need. But Father, I come today as your child, and I come because of Jesus, and I'm just simply asking you, please help these people. Please touch them. Please, Father, bring miracles in their lives. And then if you need to list them out, list them out. You say, well, well Pastor, that seems awfully simplistic. Yes, I want you to start doing that. And I want you to pray for your church. Listen while you pray. Hear the voice of God. God is still speaking. And we as people, the meaning and the purpose of this sermon is for us to hear God. To listen. Not just simply to know that he speaks, but to hear what he's saying to our hearts. Please be those people. Please act upon what he says because I know God is calling many of you. Amen? If everyone, please stand. Yeah, I kept you over. So uh, y'all take uh, 15 cents out of my salary. As the worship team is coming today, if I can pray for you, I'm always available. You can come down here as they're singing. Like I said, while they're singing, the altars are open. This altar is for you. It's for you to be able to have your business with God. So if God is leading you to the front,
okay? If you would like for me to pray with you about something specific, of course I'm here. If God is just saying he wants to talk to you and have some time you sharing with him, there's room to my right, there's room to my left. You can stand, you can kneel at the altar, you can sit on the front row. Please respond. Don't turn him away. People say, well, I don't want people looking at me. God says he doesn't care what those people are looking at you. Do what God wants you to do. If you don't know Jesus, please, let's talk. And then three, if you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus, let's pray as well. Respond as God speaks to you. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching. hang with me and I'll invite my sister up here. Come on up Miss Bonnie and I'll tell you what, test, tell, tell them did I get your name right before I even looked at the card? I did good. <laughs> so I did really good. Alright, so let's see here. From Florida that's right, you were telling me in Florida when we talked in there. But uh, Miss Bonnie Rain is coming today. She says that she wants to be back here with us and I got to tell you when I met with her this week we had a good time sharing but it was interesting because whenever she came into the counseling room outside my office and I sat down she looked at me and she said you know you're sitting in my living room and I went and then she said my house used to sit right here and I was sitting there going wow I said awesome so a lot of this property all this property around here was from your family so that's an awesome thing it really is so today Miss Bonnie comes and she wants to join with our fellowship back with our fellowship as a matter of fact but uh, all in favor of receiving her into our family, if you'd lift your hand and say, Amen. Amen. Any opposed? 
All right, good. So it looks like it is unanimous. We love you. We welcome you into our fellowship or back into your home. And what I'll do is we're going to sneak to the back of the church, and then you're going to be dismissed. You're going to let everybody greet you as they leave. I'll tell them not to cough on you. Okay. (laughs) Give us just a second, and I'll pray as we're walking that way. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we worship you. We love you. We thank you, God for always being faithful and always being there. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of family. And, Father, thank you for Miss Bonnie as she comes. Watch over us and keep us. And, Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You're dismissed.